Hello, and welcome to Dream Possible. Well, you'll hear compelling stories of people who have pursued their dreams against all odds and reasons and made them possible. What can we learn about their journey? Well, that's why we're here. We're going to find out. I'm Maria Retan, and I had a dream once to become a news executive in a major market. Thankfully, that happened. And then I had a dream to establish my own communications consultancy. That's when Top Sales Strategies was born. Then I had a dream of creating a way to help journalists make a career change, and that became Jump Team Coaching. Obviously, dreams can change as you change. So what's your dream? Well, think about that as I speak with today's guest, Anne-Marie Gillen. Anne-Marie Gillen is the founder of The Gillen Group, and this is one multi-talented woman. She's in theater, film, a TV producer and screenwriter, a former actress and choreographer. She was born and raised right here in Minnesota, where I'm based, and was very involved in children's theater, a jazz dance company, choreographing musicals and community theater, all before, like many before her, moving to L.A., uh, to pursue her dream of working in the film industry. And that's where she joined the producers, produced many, many, many projects, some of which we're going to talk about today. And not only in the past, but she's got some very exciting ones happening right now and in the future. And I'm really thrilled to have Anne-Marie here today to talk about her journey from Minnesota to Hollywood and back again. Welcome to Dream Possible, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Maria. I'm honored to be here. What a great podcast you've put together. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, what? how much fun can I have talking to people about like achieving their dreams? It's like a dream job to be able to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want to let everybody know that Anne-Marie and I have known each other for about eight years. Um, I first started working with Future Dude Entertainment who was founded by writer, director, and producer Jeffrey Morris. And Anne-Marie and Jeffrey, of course, that's that connection. Uh, they have and are partnering on a number of film, TV, and streaming projects. So through Jeffrey, and Anne-Marie and I made that connection. And I'm just thrilled to have you on today to share your journey about how it all began. I'm eager to share it. <laughs> you got a lot. We only have a half hour and, and you have hours, hours of stories. So we're going to have to work quickly to jam as much in as we can. So typically in these interviews, I go back a little bit in time. And when I say a little bit, I like way back. But, you know, as you think about it, Anne-Marie, and reflect, did you always know that you wanted to be in the entertainment industry? Or were you one of those kids that always had to have an audience? Were you tap dancing in front of your friends, <laughs> you know, your family's friends? Or, yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was one of those uh, people, children blessed to know, you know, pretty much very, very early on that I wanted to be, you know, it was my focus was as a performer always initially. And that changed along the way, which we'll get into a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I would um, gather all the kids in the summertime around the house and I'd, you know, put on a show and, you know, put a little flyer out and invite everybody and I'd be in it and I'd produce it. I didn't know the word produce, so I didn't know what that was, but just kind of make it happen. And when I was in um, high school, 
I auditioned for every play and musical. When I went to college, my major was in theater. When I got out of college, came back here to the Twin Cities. And although my degree was in acting, um, I always was very, very interested in dance along the way. So I decided if I'm ever gonna pursue dance, and even then, apropos to Dream Possible, um, you know, when you decide, well, I'm going to be a dancer at, you know, 20 or where, however old you are when you graduate and get out of college, you know, every, oh, it's too late. You should have started when you were, you know, <laughs> in grade school. And, and I just went, you know, one day I'm going to wake up and be 50. And if I didn't at least try, I'm not going to like myself. So I took a couple years off, became a waitress so I could pay for dance classes. And in the summer, I would take the summer off and go to, you know, uh, the American University once and a couple other different places and just totally focus on dance. And uh, I auditioned for the Minnesota Jazz Dance Company. And initially I didn't get in and took an intensive summer, came back and I got in as an apprentice. And again, just, you know, all I did was focus on dance, dance, dance. And after about a year, then I got into the company. And so it was in the Minnesota Jazz Dance Company. Um, Myra Johnson was at the Children's Theater at that time and was launching a dance company there. And I did a lot of shows with him. I always loved musical theater. And so um, would uh, was hired to do a lot of uh, choreography for different musicals you know, high school and, and community theater here. Um, and so th that's, I earned a living as a dancer and a choreographer, which not many people can say. No, they can't say, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and they really can't. It's rarefied air. And you know what I love about your early story is it's all so very, you know, little women. You know, I can see you as a young Joe, you know, uh, pulling together your, your own uh, productions for the neighborhood <laughs> kids. I just love that. Uh, but it, but you know, I, what I also love, and again, apropos to Dream Possible is, you put your cards on the table, right? You don't want to have any regrets. And I feel like, right. you know, beyond dance, which we're going to talk about, I mean, you've kind of been the pursuit of the no regret policy, it feels like, um, <laughs> you know, um, which I absolutely adore. Um, it, You know, I think for those listeners out there who don't know much about the Twin Cities, you know, you may not know, we have a huge, huge creative community here. Uh, we're one of the most successful cities for stage theater productions and and ticket sales so just yeah. want to provide that you know enhancement for people out there who may be thinking twin cities what she could live as a dancer in the twin cities oh they're uh, so supportive of the arts there's theater companies galore here there's dance companies opera you know it's it's just amazing how well they support it and it goes back to how well they support it in the educational system so i mean there was theater programs and music programs and dance programs in the middle schools and high schools etc which when i eventually moved to los angeles i was like appalled and shocked that they didn't have that in the schools Mm -hmm. You know, and um, it, it, so the, the transition was one winter, um, I, I felt like I was kind of hitting a certain level here. And uh, I decided, you know, I'd really like to see what's going on in, in one of the other bigger communities. So it was Chicago, L.A. or New York. And Chicago seemed a bit of a lateral move. Um, it was the middle of winter. So New York wasn't as enticing <laughs> as 
California, sunny yes. California. So I got in my car with uh, 500 bucks in my pocket and clothes in the back seat. And my mom had a cousin who said I could stay with them for a couple of weeks. And I just drove out. I didn't have a job. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know people and dream possible. Just went and wiped my sake clean and went, okay, let's see what I can become here. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that because, you know, Hollywood's hard no matter when you go to Hollywood, right? It's, you got to be scrappy. You got to have grit. But as a woman in Hollywood, you know, we know there's also challenges there. Talk about the early days of Hollywood and kind of how you got got your foot in the door and maybe some of the challenges that you faced. Yeah, I think scrappy is a really good, you know, adjective to have thrown in there because when I came into L.A., um, I was a choreographer and an actress. That's where my focus was. And um, unlike when you're in a, a, a place like the Twin Cities that just revere their talent, here. There, if you said you were an actress, it was like, oh, yeah, well, where do you waitress? You know, everybody's an actress. Whereas here, you had a craft and you were gifted and you were respected. So what I realized pretty early on in L.A. was, you know, maybe I want to focus on figuring out how to be a producer hmm. because then I'm more in control of my life. And I hadn't really looked at it clearly when I was here because I had a a dance company when I was here. So I was producing, I had a theater company and some plays that I did, I was producing. I just did that so I could put myself in as a performer. So I thought I, I know that realm pretty well. So what I did was I started producing 10 week long workshops on how to produce a film. I didn't teach it. I would bring in a guest lecturer every week. So we would start, I'd bring in somebody that was head of development at Warner Brothers. I'd bring in somebody that was financing at one of the banks. I'd bring in somebody that was head of production and marketing and distribution. And then I would repeat it. And I did that for like two years straight. So that basically was my BA in film producing was doing that. So then I decided I need a real job. And mainly I felt I was a creative soul. So I wanted to be an assistant to a writer or a director or somebody, and I couldn't get arrested. And finally I got hired by uh, the, head, uh, the head of a distribution company. And uh, the company was called Hemdale. And at the time, oh, the three years I was there, I think we won 12 Academy Awards. Wow. Wow. Platoon, Hoosiers, Last Emperor, Salvador. So I didn't really realize it, but I was right there at the apex of indie filmmaking and producing and financing at that time. And I just became a sponge. If they needed somebody to do something, I said, I'll do that. You need somebody to sit in on legal meetings. I'll take notes. And I just learned as much as I possibly could. And they were one of the pioneers to um, to finance movies by using um, print, but by guaranteeing a re theatrical release and putting up what's called the print and advertising money or PNA. So if you could do that and guarantee a certain level of theatrical release, then you could get these huge advances for home video entertainment at the time. It's altered now because of streaming, but back then you could. So you could pretty much finance your movie with these advances. And the beauty of the investors putting up the PA, the printed advertising money, is that's the last money to be spent because the movie's made. And now you're going into theaters and it's ahead of everybody else. So it's the first money to come back. So the window is extremely bifurcated and you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get your money back. 
So I use that as my model for my first business plan that I put together when I started my first film production company, Electric Shadow Productions, and was successful in raising multi, multi millions of dollars and financed and executive produced fried green tomatoes. Oh, great film. Yeah. Great, great film. So, I mean, if that's all I ever did, that was enough. <laughs> and um, then I went on and I met um, Lori McCreary, uh, another really powerful woman in, in the film industry. And we were both at the beginnings of our career. And she was launching a company with actor Morgan Freeman. So uh, Revelations Entertainment. So I joined that company uh, when we first launched and I was COO. And so, and, you know, both of the fried green tomatoes and electric shadow and launching revelations with Lori, et cetera, and Morgan, uh, we were women, we were young women doing this. And, you know, it was very difficult and had its own challenges. You know, luckily in the case of um, electric shadow, I had the money, so they had to pay attention to me. And certainly with revelations you had morgan and they had to pay attention to you but you still had those biases against you and it, it really was uh, a road to travel which thankfully now is changing um and you you're seeing a lot of diversity in women programs and financing and grants and and issues and things being addressed but uh, it was it was a real challenge it was a real challenge back then well, and it's changing in large part because women like you and Lori, who paved the way for what is happening today, and you're continuing to do that. In fact, um, Anne-Marie, you're focused on creating opportunities for women across the business. I know you co-chair an organization called Prime Productions. Talk a little bit about that and what you've been able to accomplish for other women. Sure. So, um Specifically, Prime Productions, well, I moved back to um, Minnesota about three or four years ago, and one of my dear friends here uh, was a co-artistic director of a theater company called Prime Productions, so I joined as co-chair of the board, and Prime Productions is a theater company that seeks to explore and illuminate and support women over 50, so women in their second act, and their stories and we create productions that include and encourage, you know, the participation of all genders, races, sexual orientations, and abilities, and really try to celebrate that. And our next uh, uh, play that we're doing is The Roommate, and it will be at Mixed Blood Theater here in, the, in uh, Minneapolis, June 3rd to the 19th. And we um, have a podcast ourselves. You can go to the website, primeprods.org and check out the organization. And we're expanding our board uh, in the next couple months. So if this is something of interest to anybody, you know, just reach out through pro uh, primeprods.org. But, you know, very proud to uh, support that. But all throughout my career, I've I've taken on interns. I've been a mentor to many people. I speak whenever I'm asked. I do webinars and workshops to teach and empower because it was so difficult for me to learn how the business worked. You know, back when I was coming into it, there weren't these kind of workshops and webinars and, you know, different organizations like there are now. So I freely have given uh, my knowledge that way as well. 
Oh, thank you for everyone. I'm just going to say a big blanket thank you, Anne-Marie, for your commitment to furthering the business for all kinds of people in, in the business. Um, but there's, you know, at the heart of it all, I, I know you're trying to do good with your work. And you've been focused for a long time now on something called social impact entertainment, which people listening today may not know anything about. Can you describe that for folks? Sure, sure. Um, the short is SIE. You'll see that a lot. SIE, social impact entertainment. And it's um, entertainment predominantly. It's film and TV, but it can be gaming and VR. Uh, that intends to have a social impact message wrapped into a great piece of entertainment. So the focus is on creating content that changes the world by taking audiences from empathy into actual action. So there's always this double bottom line. You wanna have financial performance. You wanna get your money back, your investors money back, but you also wanna be able to have measurable social impact. So let me just give you a couple examples. So recent ones would be Nomadland, um, Made, uh, the Trial of Chicago 7, uh, uh, several years ago, the feature film Hidden Figures. And Hidden Figures um, worked with a, an organization called Journey in Films. And they put together this whole um, uh, workshop and workbook that they took into uh, the grade schools, middle schools, and high schools, specifically focused on women, and um, got them to see the movie and do different workshops and workbook things. And they saw the, the measurable impact was, I, I don't have the exact percentage, but it was something like the, the next couple of years, there was like a 63% increase in women going into college choosing STEM as their major. So that's what I talk about, about social impact. So number one, if you want to just go and have a great piece of entertainment, be touched, moved, you know, laugh, cry, whatever that is, that's great. But if it's like, oh my gosh, there's another kind of impact there going on. I want to learn more about that. You'll see that there's many times a whole nother campaign that goes parallel to just the movie campaign called the social impact marketing campaign and that's where they're calling you to action and educating you more into what that social issue might be and that's what sie social impact entertainment is and that's been my focus i just love that i love that and we're going to take a break but when we come back we're going to talk specifically about your projects Anne marie because as you say this has been your focus you've brought a number of projects to four that includes sie in it and i want to get into the weeds on that but everybody stick around more from Anne marie gillen on the back side of the break Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Anne-Marie Gillen. She is the brainchild behind the Gillen Group, a multi-talented woman. We've been talking about social impact entertainment, and Anne-Marie has a number of projects that she's brought forward um, and accomplished that has SIE baked in and some more that are on the line coming up here. Can, can you just share briefly some of the Maybe you don't even have to go back in time, but even if you want to talk about the active ones. Absolutely. And before we jump to that, I because there it's it's kind of a dual path I go down. One is the the projects that I work on because you know, the film and TV, I mean, they go across 
the globe and you can touch, move and inspire people worldwide, touch millions and billions. But also there's the inspiring and what you're doing with, you know, Dream Possible is educating and inspiring uh, creators and producers as well. So that it's not just my projects, but I can touch and move people so many more times if I get other people inspired. So one of the things that I've done as at the um, Producers Guild is I started um, a task force called the Social Impact Entertainment Task Force. And we specifically work on uh, education and uh, virtual events around this issue. And uh, two years ago, we did a partnership with the United Nations, the UN, because the UN was very concerned about bridging um, the gap between the important issues that the UN strives for with the Hollywood creative community, because they also realized that, you know, entertainment, uh, these kind of messages and issues wrapped in entertainment can really move the conversation forward. So they are, they're always um, emphasizing the power of storytelling. And we've done uh, four events so far. One was working with the UN, one was on climate crisis, one was on human rights, and another one was on gender equity and telling stories of women. So um, I'm very proud of having um, co-produced uh, and launched that initiative. Um, but with regard to uh, some of the projects that I'm currently, well, you asked me to go back. We well, even going back to fried green tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we won a GLAAD award for that. I re- yes, yes. <laughs> I think it was the best screenplay GLAAD award. Um, so, you know, that was one of the first LGBT kind of movies that if you didn't know that issue was in there you didn't know and you didn't care and most people didn't but the people that did it was very moving and empowering and i think you'd really need to read the book to have gotten that and we it was handled very subtly in the movie um but that was certainly going way back to that um one of the movies that i executive produced and did locally uh i seven ish years ago i forget with a writer director Patrick Coyle, local uh, writer, director here, film. He's had films premiere at Sundance. He's uh, and you know really powerhouse uh, a playwright as well here. Um, I executive produced a movie of his called Into Temptation, and that was centered around suicide. Mm-hmm. Some of the things I'm working on right now, I just in and in post on a movie called The Man in the White Van. And the focus is really bringing a light onto exploited and missing children. And we're working uh, with a nonprofit, a national nonprofit organization around that specific issue. So uh, together, you know, at the end crawl, it will talk about how you can, you know, go to their site and get more information about this. Uh, There's merchandising things where they're going to get the profits for it. So that's one thing I'm really proud of. Um, Another one, uh, we're just... Uh, beginning to package now, which means starting to attach talent. It's uh, called Normal Street, and it's an original film musical, and it's basically LGBTQ meets love, actually. Mm. 
I love that. I love it. I can just imagine you in the pitch meeting, right? And when you, the minute the words love actually come out of your mouth, they're like sold. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I know everybody loves, <laughs> loves love actually. And it's that kind of a ensemble piece and it's, it's a dramedy. It has heart, it has comedy and it's real life characters. And it really puts a light on all the different issues around that. Um, and then um, Oceanus, which is uh, one of the big future dude projects we're working on, and Persephone, another one, um, uh, one of mine called Progeny Z. These all look at the climate crisis, uh, the ticking clock that we have going on, and the issue of a tipping point, and you know what can be done to um, uh, ed, you know excite people about you know. Uh, not only the, the hopeless, it, it, you know, so much is about the hopelessness, but how can we get you, you know, into action about what we can do, you know, but first, again, first and foremost, it's always wrapped around a great piece of entertainment. So if that's not an issue you care about, or, you know, want to take an action on that's perfectly fine. But, you know, with the secondary social impact marketing behind a lot of these, you know, there, there is action and measurable results that we hope to have with those projects. Right. And it really does help you connect with those special interest audiences, right, who are passionate about it, passionate about that project, and hope that you can rally, you know, their participation in the project, the support right. of the project yeah, as well. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting kind of win-win-win mm -hmm. situation, you know, they're, you know, they help um, word of mouth with something like that because of the issue. Um, the people who just like it for the entertainment do the word of mouth. And, yeah. it, you know, all in all, it's just, um, it, it for me, if, if you're going to spend your precious time, which is all we really have doing anything, you might as well do something that has the possibility to change people and get them into action on some of these important issues. Right on. Totally agree. And I, I want to I would be silly if I didn't say congratulations because two of your projects with Future Dude, Parallel yes. Man and Oceanus Act One have just been picked up. And in fact, one's already streaming. The other's going to be streaming as of uh, April this month uh, yes. on, on the Dust platform. Talk to us about both of those projects. Yeah, the Dust, uh, it's a YouTube channel. So go to YouTube, go to Dust and you'll find uh, the first and Oceanus is coming up, but the first one released is called Parallel Man. And these are two shorts, okay? So Parallel Man is an animated short of jumping from multiverse universes, etc. And so we launched about eight days ago and um, we've had over 230,000 views. That's so amazing. Congratulations. And and 98.2%, we were just on with Dust just a bit ago, 98.2% uh, are favorable rating. It's the highest ever on Dust for any of their releases. So it's it's really going through the roof. So go to YouTube, find Dust channel, type in Parallel Man, and it's a 12-minute short. The animation is retro, beautiful, exquisite, one-of-a-kind stuff. It's really amazing. And based on the response that we've gotten, and it continues to grow, is we're now developing it into a film. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm so thrilled to hear that. Yeah, it, it is amazing. The story is very powerful. Uh, the fact that it's the multiverse, right, is so timely. And um, it is beautifully 
it's creative. Just the the creative is just so gorgeous. So it really is. It's yeah. really unique. And that's why we're getting the response we're getting. Nobody's negative. They're all just, oh my God, I want more. Why is this not on Netflix? Where can I find this? <laughs> just like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we'll give you more. No problem. We've got a yeah. lot more. Well, glad. Well, you know, and the one thing I wanted to ask you too, Anne-Marie, it feels like streaming is where it is, right? So I I know um, during the pandemic, movie theaters took a huge hit, right? Uh, Everything kind of moved to streaming platforms or or, or alternative ways to get your creative out into the masses. Um, Is that really where where we're going to see things shifting or are movie theaters still going to be relevant? You know, can you talk a little bit? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but it feels like a lot of success is happening, right, on streaming platforms. Um, I think that's where the majority of indie films are going to remain. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the theaters will come back and, and um, you're mainly though, I think they're going to be the spectacles, the Marvels, the franchises, the blockbusters, the 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 blockbusters, the remakes, the prequels, the sequels of of already successful films. Um, You will get some of those, you know, Sundance winners and things like that, you know. Um, but I'm not, I think it would be a much slower coming back because people are fine seeing them now streaming elsewhere and everybody's gotten bigger screens, better sound. Um, so I don't know how well they're going to come back for the smaller indies, but certainly, and and, and like with the Parallel Man and, and Persephone and some of the projects we're working on, even though they're not, Marvel comics, they fall within that realm of the big blockbuster potential franchise. So I think, you know, even though they're um, uh, new um, and not based on uh, something recognizable yet, because they fall within that genre, I think they can do well theatrically. But streaming has really become the place for um, a lot of the indies like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to wrap up with talking about life like that, because that is a film you're working on now uh, that takes place here in Minnesota. Can you can you fill everybody in on that project? Sure, sure. Um, it's it actually took place. It's a true story that took place in Sasago City uh, and uh, based on um, Zach Bartz, a young boy who um, had cancer very early on and we see it not through his eyes, but we see it through the teenage sister, sibling. Because so many times, a lot of these stories, you see it through the mother or the person who has the disease, but you don't see it through the sibling. So we're looking at this and journey through the sibling's eyes. So um, it's a very beautiful movie. It's got a lot of heart, a lot of hope in it. Um, And it will look at um, how you deal with families dealing with cancer, et cetera. And again, that social impact aspect. We want to film it here because that's where it took place. Um, and w- we are you know, hoping that the tax credit incentive situation stays strong. Um, that's a, um, a tax credits is a way that you can help finance your movie or get part of your financing back by doing it locally. That and um, because it took place here, 
um, Zach Touch Move and Inspired his whole community and so many people uh, will will get a lot of things. Uh, we'll get a lot of people and the hockey teams and the locations and a lot of things like that, um, possibly donated, but certainly for a lot less than if we went somewhere else. So I'm doing my best to try to keep it here. Please do. I, I just love it when things are organic to the location, right? If it's a story about it, you know, and it takes place in a, in a location, it's great if you can shoot on location, but we all know that's not always possible. But, um, you know, and I, as, as people have listened to you over the last 30 minutes, many of them may be like, oh, I want to know more about that project or that project, or where can I stream that? Or where can I stream that? Or how can I learn more about social impact entertainment and make sure I'm supporting those movies that have causes that I care about? Can you, can you throw out some places people can learn more? Yes, um, there is something called the SIE Society. So, uh, and you can join for free. Anyone can join for free. And there's tons of resources and different things going on and projects and creatives and all of that. So I would go to SIE Society. Um, if you want to see about uh, Future Dude, I mean, go to futuredude.com. It's full of, you know, uh, you know, Parallel Man and Oceanus and Persephone and all the projects we're working on. You know, so that's another site that I would highly recommend. Um, if you're just interested in connecting to the, the creative uh, entertainment industry as a whole worldwide, uh, there's a, a site called stage32numeral32.com. Again, you can join for free and you can connect with creatives all over the world. Oh, so those awesome. would be the three I'd All recommend. good. All good stuff. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for taking time today to talk more about your journey and all the great work that you're doing for the industry and in the industry. And I'm super excited to see some of these projects come to fruition so I can watch them. So, yeah, so we'll we'll definitely have to let everybody know when um, these things are finished and out there in the world so that we can make sure that we we're tapping into them. So thank you for being on. You're most welcome, Marie, and thank you for what you're doing. This is a great podcast. Thank you. And thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And thank you for joining me. Until next time, continue pursuing your dreams. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.